welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back for another ISSA podcast. Dan, I feel like it's been forever. It has. It has. Good to be back. I know. Okay. So maybe not forever for you guys, because hopefully you've listened to every episode we've ever put out. But I'm super excited about today's episode. I know that's your line, Dan, but I am very excited. Um, But it's good to be back and be talking about some things that hopefully you guys can take actionable steps with and actually implement into when you're working with clients or maybe give you something that maybe you want to research and do, learn a little bit more about. Now, Dan, you actually know our guest. Can you give us a brief rundown on how you how you know our guest, Peter, today? I do. I am super excited to have Peter Twist here today. And uh, I know before we started recording, I was trying to play back the first time I actually met him in person. And I think it was in London about 10, 12 years ago. But uh, as I mentioned pre uh, recording, Pete was my first man crush in the fitness industry. And my wife and I were both crushing on him. And I, yeah, I'm going to say it, Peter. Yeah, y'all can't see it, whether or not he's turning red. Well, I'm uh, glad but, it was both of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but, but just a pioneer in our industry. And during this interview, we're going to get the opportunity to learn why I say that. And there, if, if we don't hit on everything that I want our listeners to learn about, I've got a few questions of my own that I'm going to drop in there just to to keep us all thinking. So thank you, Jenny, for, for, for teeing this up. Absolutely. Well, yes, let me give a little quick background about Peter, you guys. He's a renowned expert in the field, like Dan just said. He's done research and writing for decades, and he's been dedicated to exploring brain-body connection, 3D movement skills, which we'll talk about today, mindset, motivation, and holistic health. Um, he has an impressive, impressive background in education. He's authored, get this, you guys, over 1,200 papers, 20 books, 44 DVDs, and 22 certification courses. So he is deep in it. He's also coached in the NHL for over 11 years and contributed to the training and rehabilitation of China's national teams for the Summer and Winter Olympics. Wow, Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Mr. Peter Twist. Uh, Jenny and Dan and Madison behind the scenes and the whole ISSA team, thank you very much for having me on today. Absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey, Peter? How did you get started in fitness and how did you get to where you are now? Yeah, I, I think your listeners will appreciate that uh, my journey was not really in fitness, but it was pertinent in parallel to you know the roots of the ISSA name in sports sciences. So I was on a parallel path in sport, which at the time was a completely different universe uh, than the fitness industry. And my, my path was in academia and research and strength and conditioning at the university and, and pro levels and so on in that sports science side. And then uh, bringing that to fitness eventually, um, I didn't really know much about the fitness industry at that time and over many years that I was invited to speak at fitness conferences. And the number one thing that caught me was there was a kind of a disconnect at the time in how we train and how we move and what we how we perform activities on earth in gravity 
Um, but as well, I what really I noted in the fitness industry was the incredible enthusiasm and passion. And in sport and sport conferences, sport science, people are passionate, but it's pretty buttoned down, you know, kind of like a university professor style. And fitness industry was hyped up. People love coming together. And that really spoke to me. Um, and then from, from there, I had the, uh, I guess, the timing and, and kind of the creative thought. Um, I was positioning and timing. I introduced the, the world's first three functional training certifications, which at the time in fitness and in sport, uh, about 50% of people got really mad about that because it was contrary to everything they were doing. Fortunately, the other 50% had epiphany after epiphany and just got it. Um, so we kind of went on a rocket ship through fitness on that and started to tie in products. And then I got deeper into the fitness industry, Jenny, um, with that education in hand and that following. Then we we helped inter we introduced BOSU uh, in Canada, TRX in Canada, et cetera. So we're kind of the early adopters with the product tie-in. And it, it, it's been a great, great journey. That's awesome. I love it, and and you heard DVDs. Jenny mentioned DVDs, yeah. so I yeah, and and I and I and I ha I had some of those. I think I finally went okay. DVDs. I don't even use a DVD player anymore, but that shows you how far back uh, Pete's been doing education. And Pete, I'm uh, glad I, you mentioned. I started in the industry when I was four years old. <laughs> yeah, you did. Clarify <laughs> my current age. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm glad you mentioned the functional part. Well, quote unquote. Because uh, I can remember, I, I was not involved at all at that time, but I can remember when uh, you and 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 then some others, uh, you know, uh, Gray, um, the Gray yeah. Institute, Gary Gray and Michelle and so forth started, you know, talking about this linked stroke. Well, you coined linked strength, but functional movement and so forth and how it was boohooed and poo-pooed. Uh, I remember that, and it's really cool to see that evolution and where we are now. Yeah, it really brought um, kind of a, a niche community together. Michelle, who invented Viper, his partner, Simon, was our uh, master teacher and host of our functional training certs on loaded movement and link strength. And so, you know, we, we were together sort of uh, methodology there and supportive. And then there's been so many uh, genesis. I think when we started, uh, Dan, in a trade show at a conference, uh, there was us and maybe a couple other booths with anything, any product or education that was functional. And now it's, you know, every single booth. So it's been <laughs> so, so rewarding and meaningful just to see it kind of adopted en masse and you know, for better or worse, anything that grows and scales, the the, the uh, iterations and quality of it kind of go all over the place. Um, but people are pointed in the right direction, I believe. Absolutely. So uh, let's jump back into the NHL background and how you started with your extent, extensive you know, background and experience coaching in the NHL. And for the listeners out there, I probably would have needed to know this if I didn't know Peter, the National Hockey League, if I'm not mistaken. Taken. Uh, and working with national teams, summer teams, winter Olympics, et cetera. What are some of the most significant challenges you face in these roles and how did you overcome them? Uh, great. I'll, I'll mention a challenge that's not really a, a common challenge or not really a unique challenge because it's everywhere. 
And, um, and I'll just drop really quick for the listeners so that they believe in what's possible. They believe in themselves. Um, super quick version. Uh, I, I started out, uh, launching some ice hockey camps that turned into multi-directional sport camps, soccer, basketball, football, rugby. But I really started, I had a whistle and about six cones and an idea. And that's all I had. And I started running seasonal summer camps. Uh, and then I started the education, started the products uh, out of my garage. Um, and when I start and when I started, started academically, I, I came out to Vancouver, Canada and uh, for for a little while on campus, I slept in a station wagon and I did what I have, you know, do what you have, uh, how things are um, the way it is right now and try and take positive strides. Don't wait. And that that went to 12 training centers in four countries, product and education distribution to 33 countries, NHL Olympics and stuff. But I don't mention it for those things more except to. Don't be shy on pointing your compass high and get started. You know, don't where you are today doesn't mean determine where you're going to be five years from now. Believe in yourself, follow your passion on the NHL. And uh, and then I was um, very honored to be selected to uh, by the China, uh, the China Olympic program to help modernize their summer and winter Olympics. That means modernizing. How are they training and preparing? How are they restoring? How are they rehabbing, develop the programming, and then place coaches, therapists, sports med doctors. So massive project. And um, I had gone through that before in the NHL uh, as the point in the spear modernizing things. So I'll just, I'll mention for our time, two main challenges. The challenges I had in China, people can think of, well, it's, you know, pretty long commute. I was going back and forth a couple of times a month. Yeah. <laughs> Communist society, Mandarin, uh, out of 8 billion people, I'm the worst in languages. I got that trophy solidified, you know. Um, so my hope with Mandarin is is not great. Um, but those weren't really the di difficulties because in the NHL, we had about, um, you know, eight different primary languages on the team and guys from different countries, cultures. That's that's everywhere. And we learned to collaborate, do that well. Um, the two main challenges is getting getting people on board. When you're bringing in something and initiating something, you have a proposal for a health club, you want to bring in new program and you want to approach things differently. Um, in the in the NHL and the Olympics, it was the the president, the general manager, the head coaches, you know, that learned what they know in 1940. And by yeah. their coach, you know, and um, and so getting buy in and that's that's a process. Um, the other is with uh, the players and to know who, who are the key people. And this would be the same as a team within any business or a big health club chain. Um, but in the Olympics and the NHL, there's the players. You've got to have on board the leaders. You got to get them on board or you're not getting anything accomplished. And that means. Leaders in, in the NHL would be uh, who are the highest paid. It would also mean who are the most skilled. It would mean who are the social leaders. And you've got to have the social leaders of the dressing room on board. If you do that, you know, you're on your way. If you don't have that, there's going to be two or three uh, players that don't want to buy into anything. And that's a chance to dip into your toolbox, your motivation toolbox, try out different things. 
Don't shy away from anything. Go to where the heat is. The most difficult situations uh, that you're going to uh, face that you don't want to be there. It's not pleasant. Step into it. And that's where you learn and grow and figure out how to how to get it done. Um, but you get your leaders on the team on board and then all the guys that sit on the fence that will go either way. They're, they're all on board there. Um, and be be patient. Uh, ch change and progress and innovation and just implementing a new idea. Uh, it, it takes a while to get er everybody aligned on there. Yeah. What were some of the ways that you helped get buy-in? Did you educate? Did you like, did you do something specific? Uh, yeah, most, most of my first tries are all, you know, team oriented and so on. But the first thing I did the first hour I was uh, formally uh, started with the China Olympic program. We brought all the co all the coaches together and uh, some of the key athletes. And I yeah, I did a presentation like you would at a fitness conference and just to give them an overview and, and buy in. And then we set individual meetings. So it's conversational. It's educational. Um you know, and, and respectful in that way. And then, then you identify like, who are, who are your early adopters and, you know, on there, um, you can't get it done alone. You like, even if we're sitting around a boardroom with 12 people and I'm talking and I'm, I can't get anything done, you know, but all it's, it's a try, it's a triangle. It's an equation of three. Um, and if if Dan comes on board and we start to speak the same language, then, you know, it's got a chance, but it's not enough. But if Jenny comes on board, it doesn't matter if the other nine are. We just need three. That's now the common language. That's how we're doing things. That's the direction we're going. People start to migrate over. Um, so you really just got to get in and get a couple key players on board and then stay at it and you'll you'll get traction. The other is. Have a big motivation toolbox. Um, just one, so many great, so many great examples, and so many ways guys just stepped up and helped out and bought in right away. But there, there was one athlete in pro major league sport that I was working with, and he he wanted nothing to do. We we would train in the gym at midnight after games, and uh, to get an edge on the other teams and to give more rest before the next game, and that was just crazy to him, but. He just said uh, he really—he was just kind of a selfish guy. He was making about five million a year and didn't really care how the team did. And uh, he just said, you know, um, it, I, I'm not going to use speed. I'm not going to use conditioning. I just kind of make my my way in position, and I and I get fed by my hardworking teammates, and I put lots of points up. And you know, I just kind of have that gift, and it's going pretty well, and it is going pretty well. So things like, you know, you, you know, a team championship and respecting your teammates and you don't know how good you could be. Like they're still on top there, yes. more physicality, right? Not interested. He was doing just okay. Um, he was doing really well. Um, and then, so the way I got, so it's like, okay, here's someone who's very individualistic and how, how do I serve the team in a way that serves him? So we we came up with a plan that his line mates, his teammates that were on at the same time as him, if they trained hard, then they could feed him more often and he could put up more points. And so from that day on, he was the first one in the weight room, in the training room after games, and he was ensuring his line mates were working hard and he was there doing it too, to make sure, you know, for selfish reasons, but 
So you you need a lot of motivation pockets to reach into, and uh, not not everything works with everyone, but something will work with each person. I like that. I like how you involved him in the process and then made it feel like it was his idea and it's going to help him. <laughs> so yes, him you got to get buy-in and ownership in that for sure. And then he he became a, a leader. He was like my assistant coach. Love it. Oh, yeah. I have examples of that in the college level where I coach. That's amazing. Um, can you talk to us? So we're going to talk to you about a couple of your different methodologies and ways that you train. So the brain-body connection is where I want to start. 3D movements, and then of course, mindset motivation. But can you tell us about your approach uh, as you explore the body and the brain-body connection for holistic health, so overall health? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jumping forward on the holistic health, and I really use that terminology today as whole health, 360 degrees of health. Um, I I have a, a Western doctor, but I also have an Eastern doctor. The Eastern doctor, the naturopath is my family physician. The Western doctor is when I need a permission slip for pharmaceuticals um, (laughs) or things that are outside the ND scope. Um, But holistic health is, you know, 360 degree health and certainly utilizing and appreciating our uh, current healthcare system. But our current healthcare system is a little bit, it's like, you know, wow, all these people are drowning and we got to pull them out and save them. And holistic health is a more upstream. What's causing people to fall into the river, to drown? Can we can we address things there? What's within their control? What's at their fingertips? Um, as well as just looking at the complete person. So uh, everything science-based in holistic health that I look at, it's not some sort of like um, you know, fluffy hippie thing over here, but a little bit more hippie love and peace and kindness might be good for the world today. Um, yeah. It's part of that whole program. And, and then the, the mind body part really comes in for, for brain health and mental well-being and the movement of our body um, and tying it all together. There, there's a lot on, say, social media and Instagram and TikTok about, you know, mindfulness and mind body and all of it is pointing in a good direction i think it's mainly about my my body either from a spiritual standpoint or present you know presentness focus on your muscle focus on your movement good stuff i i just lift up the the hood uh like you do in a car and and look at the the engine of the body and and how the body works so my mind body is more based on the science and uh i believe that movement and physicality runs through the brain. And if we develop methods and overload variables and principles based on how the brain and body communicate together, then we're gonna build muscle and, and uh, quality movement skill and so on. And I believe mental, a lot of mental well-being that's in our control runs through movement. And so if we work our way backwards, everything starts with the brain that operates our human vehicle. It's like the software. and uh, anything that gets someone moving can be a good thing. Um, however, we also know that, you know, the, the three of us and, uh, and a couple others follow the same program. And one of us isn't going to get um, uh, much results at all. Someone's going to create pain and dysfunction. Someone might get injured. Um, Jenny, you, you're, you're from college sport. You might ha- get some good results because you know how to train a little bit better. And Dan gets exceptional results. Well, because Dan's Dan. So he'll go <laughs> after it. Um, 
So uh, my philosophy in, in the question you asked is I don't believe there's any exercise that improves the human body. And I believe exercises can cause damage or they can do nothing or they can produce benefit. It's how we move inside the exercise. It's how we manage the load into the body. It's how we manage our body into the ground. So that just um, lends itself to quality of movement, always put in quality. And uh, with that mind-body mind aspect, you know, we have millions of sensors and receptors, joints, muscles. There's lots of communication through our muscle fascia informing our brain what the heck is going on right this second as we're on a snowboard going down the mountain. You know, or as we're lifting a weight in the gym and our brain computes that and sends information back to the muscles. So here's the key. Here's the key point. Um, most fitness uses repetition and simple drills um, and looks to do things uh, a lot of the time, you know, to tire people out and produce sweat and burn calories. And there's good in that, but it's using knowing exercises. So if we all go for a walk, we don't have to think about it. That's not, no matter what people say about crosswords and any kind of exercise, walking is, it doesn't do much for your brain because we're on autopilot. We can look at our phone, we can chat in health clubs. Most health clubs have rows of TVs. Well, if you can exercise and watch a TV, your brain is not required very much to the exercise party. It's too simple an exercise neurally because we're efficient machines. We've automated that movement. So we're still training our heart, lungs, and muscles, but not our brain. Our brain doesn't have to do much. It's on it's on autonomic or autopilot. So in, in my mind-body, mind I integrate uh, strength, balance, movement, core. Four pillars, strength, balance, movement, core. All four of those are present in every inch of every rep. And when they are, we're building them, but they each serve as an overload variable on each other. And by our research, we get over a thousand percent more muscle activation and over a thousand percent more brain computations. So it's uh, my, my methodology. I believe in there's lots of different ways to train and go enjoy. But I come back to I want my brain in a cognitive state doing max computations with max communication to the body. And that's where I'm stimulating the most improvement uh, overall and getting a smart brain for quality uh, movement. We're back at it for another ISSA rapid review. Christine had this to say about our certified personal training course. I really enjoyed this course and I would recommend it to others looking to get certified. Well, we're glad you enjoyed it, Christine. And thanks for being with us. I love, I love that. It. That absolutely makes sense. Well, and let's take it a step further here, Peter. So, you know, when you're talking about the four pillars and engaging the brain, another term that was coined back when y'all, you know, came up with the concept of three-dimensional movement. Can you talk more about what, what is three-dimensional movement? Why are those skills so important, important and how do they differ from traditional movements? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and 3D, if we get into physics and geometry, someone could kind of dispute this, but 3D infers 360 degrees of movement. And quite simply, our muscles that we learn in anatomy 
Uh, and if traditional fitness is isolation um, for appearance or um, even some multi-joint exercises that are common, um, not, number one, we want to train in a way that honors our anatomy and that sequences muscles in the same way. What one example are common squat jumps in uh, boot camps and so on, and people will jump in the air and throw their arms to the ground. Right, so you picture that, you see it. It's jumping vertically, but while to jump vertically, they throw their arms back to the ground. And so they're two in opposite. So that's kind of screwing up our, our blueprint for quality motor programs and so on. So we would just take that and more like you would in college sport, volleyball, basketball, good vertical jump, arms drive overhead the same direction. So we look at linking and sequencing the, the body um, number one on that as we go. And with, with that type of movement, when you get the, the right sequencing uh, as that goes, then you're, you're getting more skillfulness as you go through there. Yes, that makes so much sense. By the way, when people jump and throw their arms down instead of up, I coach volleyball, so I know exactly what you're talking about here, Pete. Um, I call it fishy jumping, like a fish <laughs> that's jumping out of the water. They usually end up flailing to some degree <laughs> as well. And I'm also or like when they jump with their arms down, I'm like, try it and then try it with your arms. You float a little bit more with your arms, like your arms are actually part of a jump in a lot of cases. So that's really cool. That you yeah, teach I, it that way. I think, Jenny, there's something with that. When we get into the right sequence, there's more of a flow, even if mm -hmm. it's heavy loaded. And I think there's flow and rhythm of that full bodiness and brain that ties into our mental well-being. And it becomes almost like if you think of Tai Chi, almost like a spiritual practice, you know, but we might be loading the heck out of it. It's much more intense and so on on that uh, on that aspect. But the for the listeners to understand that, um, you know, a program doesn't have to be all one style of training, um, you, you know, bicep curl, leg extension. I don't believe there's a bad exercise. They're not bad exercises. Those are good exercises. I enjoy doing them. But if that was my whole program, you know, maybe there's, there's more uh, benefit that I could get on there. And so it's it's really trying to take it another step and understanding also that, um, you know, if I'm looking at joint mobility, you know, am I going to do isolation for my joint mobility? Well, I've got 300 plus joints, so that's going to take me too long. I already there's so much we know how to improve and all of my education, all your courses, we offer so many ways to improve a client. It's not possible to schedule it all in each week yeah. as it is. Yeah. So can I do an isolation program and attend to every joint, every muscle? I, I, I have to, when you work on something, you're not working on something else. When you mm -hmm. put something in a client's program, you have to realize it comes at the cost of not doing something else. So making really good uh, choices on there. And so I might have a couple joints that I do isolated mobility. I might have a couple muscle groups that need supplemental work. So I kind of isolate maybe some weak points. But overall, I, I integrate and to tra train the body as a whole. And I also understand, last point on this and key point, is that how, I, how my muscles work in isolation is not always how they work in integration when we're up on our feet, moving in 3D, 360 degrees, and inside gravity. And so to train our body, uh, I call it high transfer, for to transfer well outside the gym, 
uh, in, into the, the active life that we hope to live. Yeah. So just curious, when you're teaching something like you gave the example of a squat jump for using your arms and taking them up overhead as you jump, do you train it in pieces? Like, would you have somebody keep their feet on the floor and just swing their arms, hinge at their hips, et cetera? Like, do you teach it in pieces to get it? Or does it depend on the person, how you teach it? I, I would, I hope to approach it, be able to teach it together, but cue it in, in isolation. So mm -hmm. we'll do the whole movement, but focus on the arms. And then what, you know, so I'm cueing certain segments of it to improve, we're improving pieces of it while we're doing the whole thing. So I don't overload them. Um, but I usually do a, a simple readiness assessment. It isn't a science lab. It just looks like a gym exercise. So I get an indication of their ability. Um, mo most people, the majority of people that I took, to, if we took like 100 people today, about 75% of them can't, if we had them jump, athletes included, interestingly, they won't land with both feet at the same time. Mm -hmm. And when they land, it's like, so their, their, their joints and their skeletal system are, are taking a lot of the load impact stress. There's a high orthopedic cost and they're not getting as much benefit to the muscle loading as they can. Um, so with that, um, I, I don't tend to teach it in isolation parts, but I will regress. And so quite often when I'm teaching a squat jump, we don't, we do kind of a, what I call a fake jump for lack of better words. And we, we squat down and load the legs and arms and, and explode vertically uh, in the uh, full extension, but the uh, right up to our toes, but the toes don't come off the ground. That mm -hmm. just makes it low impact. And a lot of my adult clients, I might just keep them there because they're getting the kinesthetic positive sensation of jumping with no impact whatsoever. I can do that till they're 95 years old. Like, but if, what's their goal? Why do they need the jump? It's really the load and explode. You know, the eccentric, concentric, the negative, positive phase where they're getting the benefit. They're not getting benefit while they're in the air. Yeah. Right? So, so the more I can keep their feet in contact with the ground, but do similar movements, that's potentially a, a good uh, tip or solution for folks with their clients to take away risk, take away impact, take away orthopedic cost, spend spend more time with the feet on the ground. Uh, where you can benefit the mu the muscles, the fascia, and still heart and lungs. I love it. That's a great way to approach it. And if we want to bring it all full circle and really talk back about the brain again, because so, I love yes. what you were talking about with the brain, the mind-body connection. It's so important. And a lot of people don't think about it. Like you said, they're doing other things while they're exercising. Well, you're not engaging your brain then in that case. But you have an extensive background in mindset and motivation. How would you do, how do you define mindset? Uh, well, yeah, I think uh, it's a great question. I really appreciate it because my mindset is everything. Mindset affects everything. And, you know, a big part of that is attitude. But if I broke it down into uh, pillars for this, I think uh, mindset starts with the lens we see through the perspective. You know, it said change the way we look at things and the things we look at change. That means, Jenny, you can say something to me and I can take it for choose to look through a lens where I take it personally and I feel begrudgment, you know, or, or I can look through a different lens with a different perspective and it's just fine, you know, or another lens, I, I'm actually appreciative and grateful and, and what I'm listening to. So changing the mindset is the lens you see through. Number two, the self-talk you create. A lot of people still don't understand. They 
great and are in control of their self-talk. They think it's just some other entity outside themselves that generates it. And so the ability to press pause and unwind and create more positive uh, or advantageous self-talk or um, then our lens we see through our self-talk is mindset, then that affects the, the words we choose to share with other people and the actions we take or do not take. The lens we see through our self-talk, the words we use, the actions we take, and then that results, that shows up um, for people with a certain attitude, a certain energy, a certain communication style and ability and so on. I think that's that's the framework for what it is, how it works. And then uh, for, for for listeners to realize that mindset is really it's it's as trainable as your muscle and your cardiovascular fitness. So it's teachable. It's trainable. Uh, it's a lifelong skill that uh, is going to get worse or better, depending whether you focus on it and nourish it. And there's a lot of strategies. It's mindset is a skill. It's a, it's strategies for becoming uh, resilient and adaptable. A lot of mindset works in pairs that are uh, dichotomous. So resilience and adaptability, grit and grace. And the, these are these are all um, opposites that help each other. And we learn strategies for using them together. Um, to be resilient, you need to be adaptable. To be adaptable and creative, you need to be resilient and so on. Um, so my mindset are those strategies and skills that we deploy that helps us uh, handle change, have the courage to embrace opportunity. And I, I think in any, any challenge or difficulty, which everybody has all the time, uh, bring a level of graciousness. And, you know, uh, we, not to get on that subject, but the pandemic happened. And I thought that was our time that people could improve their mindset to show up kinder uh, for each other and whatever our beliefs help each other through. And it seemed to go the opposite direction. So let's get North America on a mindset program and uh, <laughs> we can up level that. It would be, I, it, I think we'd have that, you know, uh, and it, it does produce a high EQ, which I know there's somehow controversy over social emotional skills. Um, and if that makes someone angry, they probably need the course. That's what I'll suggest. <laughs> um, I do know the Fortune 500 companies, the corporations, when they recruit, you know, they probably assume everyone they're recruiting has high intellect and education. But the number one thing they look for is high EQ. And, you know, that your a high EQ comes from your mindset. And, you know, can we cooperate and communicate? constructively, respectfully, and positively, and so on, so on. So uh, my mindset comes comes first. And if you're, I would suggest if you're on some kind of a fitness program, good for you, I applaud you, and keep going. But if you're not feeling positive, and peaceful, and kind, and respectful, and um, those type of things, look at your program, it's missing something. And that, that's a key, that's a key slice of the uh, pie that you want uh, er everything to affect well. Wow, I love it. I, I, I love hearing you speak, Peter. And and I, I, I'd love to, I'm going to steal one of your quotes and feed it back to you that I've been sharing, it seems like a lot lately. And it would be great if you could tie it into exactly what you just spoke to, which is basically self-improvement. 
It's it's it starts with you. And that quote is leader of one, leader of many. If you can't lead one, you can't lead any. How does that tie into the to the mindset and self improvement and 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 basically how you the the lens by which you view your surroundings? Uh, Great question. Thank you for framing that up. And it's funny. I'll share kind of a funny thing from lectures I've given. And you know, we we all probably have opinions on you know how the how a company is led, how a health club's led, how the country is led, and. You know, we we have better ideas. So I ask people in a lecture room, um, you know, well, well leadership, man, you, you know, could you think you could lead this room? You know, there's a thousand people here and they're like, you know, uh, you know, maybe um, could you lead a team like a sport team of 20 people? Oh, yeah, I could I could do that. And well, how about one then? Could you lead yourself? You know, and uh, everyone's like, oh, no, no. like. I've been failing at that for years. I've been doing so many things to disadvantage myself. And so it really is getting down um, how you do one thing, how you do everything, and just being cognizant of better every day. Can I lead? Can I lead myself? And if I lead myself and I'm on a path of improvement, um, you know, that, then I'm in a position to lead other people. It also infers, Dan, the, the quality of that. You know, there's, and I try not to myself ever uh, wave a, a a busy badge of honor. Like I've got the busy flag and I, I, I want recognition for that. It's like, well, 8 billion people are busy. So pick something more distinct. And some people are <laughs> dodging bullets. They're busy dodging bullets. Other people are busy walking 5K for clean water. So everybody's situation is real. Everybody's stress and overwhelmed state and so on is real. We can give each other care and empathy, um, but but you know, busy isn't really a valid badge of honor, even though we all feel it. And so that lends itself to because I, I we all have a lot of young young parents and parents and so on, and and they potentially if they have a job and a business and young kids and a home, uh, very very busy um, on that aspect, but. Um, the leader of one really encourages people not only to lead themselves and build those leadership skills, but gives them permission to lead themselves and encourages them to for the sake of everyone. And I use the word, I'm going to use the word selfish. I don't believe it's selfish, but it's memorable in saying this helps people remember it. You've got to be selfish to be your most generous, meaning nobody wants me to show up, you know, tired, stressed out, sick, impatient grumpy. They want me to show up positive, peaceful, clear-headed, present, energized. And so to take ourselves with permission uh, to be a leader of one and work on our nutrition and our fitness and get into nature and do things for ourselves that seem to work for our mind, our body, our spirit, then we can show up for our spouse, our kids, our friends, our clients, our teammates, at our best and be our most generous to them. That's how we give the best love, I believe, by taking care of ourselves. It's uh, the most simple version is on a plane, the oxygen mask comes down, you know, who, who, you, you put that on first. If you apply that to everything, then you're gonna show up strong for everybody. Oh, how is that for perspective? That's amazing. Well said, Pete. Well, so our listeners, I'm sure, are going to want to follow you or learn more from you. 
whether it's education or philosophy. So what are the best ways for our listeners to be able to follow you or get in touch with you? Uh, I'll just give two ways to keep it uh, simple. And I'll say from one social media platform, I pick uh, Instagram, Coach Peter Twist. And um, they can come there and learn from me, but I would encourage them to engage so I can learn from them. There's uh, eight, 8 billion people in the world. Every single person knows how to do something I don't. They've all had an experience I haven't. And so bringing that context and uh, from my community, I'm, I'm very grateful to have a respectful community, 99.9% positive, which is wild in today's era. And a lot of pro athletes, college athletes, former athletes, uh, pro coaches, trainers, therapists, um, active, educated, smart, healthy adults. And I learned, I learned so much from people's perspectives. So coach Peter Twist. And then uh, to contact me or leave leave a, a message or more information, um, I'll say twisteducation.ca. The .ca is like a .com, but it's Canada. So twisteducation.ca, you can remember that. And, and I think that's two good pipelines there. Thank you for asking that. Amazing. So I have a question though too. So I know you've yes. contributed to a lot of different works, papers, DVDs, books. Do you have like one or two papers or books that if, you could get every trainer out there or every fitness professional out there to read it for whatever reason, what would those be? Do you have one or two that are your, your, your babies, your brain children? Yeah. You, you know, I, I'm going to mention, um, we've got, we've got some research on research gate on uh, brain body and measuring the brain activation, muscle activation from an applied science, like in the trenches, practical methods. Uh, I, I'm going to uh, stay, stay with recency and mention functional physique. And it's something I write about a lot on Instagram. And it's a, 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 pro, a training program, a training system that we have for folks as well. And I mentioned that because um, I was, I was going to write this for about a decade, but I kept resisting because I, I don't, you know, if people want to do physique training, that's not me. And there's lots of great coaches and, and teachers out there for that. And um, that can be a very empowering process for people. Um, but it's not so much my world uh, focusing on that. And then functional physique was bringing really how, how do we train to move to move uh, better? We know when we move confidently pain free, it literally expands our world. Dan and, and Jenny, you can invite me to do something. Even if I haven't done it before, I can say, yeah, I'll, I'll hang out that day. You can do what you love with people you love and, and expand your experiences and bring the energy that comes from that uh, back home. But if I, if, my, if I don't have the movement confidence or I'm in pain or dysfunction, and I'm sure we've all had times with injuries or illness, our world literally shrinks. And we have to say no thank you to most things. Hard to have a great attitude and enjoy life quality as much. So the functional and functional physique is all about training movement. I've got uh, 30 functional patterns, eight roles that muscle play, uh, 10 ways to manage a load and 12 overload variables. It's a training system that's actionable, but as a byproduct, all of the principles and guidelines build musculature. And I'm recommending that because it's a way for if people want a nice bod, their best bod, get back to their best body and physique, or if they're in physique at isolation, they haven't done functional, 
it still serves both worlds and it introduces it. Um, and there's a lot of people doing functional training, you know, maybe it's a little bit light for what their age needs to sustain muscle and, and bone density. So it also brings in the physique side uh, to that. So functional physique, and they can get that in bites on uh, Instagram or a full program and training system. Um, that's the most focused, succinct, but comprehensive look at both worlds together. Amazing. I'm gonna, I've already found the links while you were talking. I found yeah. them. So I'm going to share you know, them. I will, I will say I went from being reluctant to create that to it being my favorite training system. So I've got, you know, I've got this excitement to it because I, I, I wasn't fully bought in when I started it. And when I finished it, it's like, this is it. This is it. So <laughs> I love it. So we will definitely link that. I'm going to check these out as well. Um, Cause uh, you resonate so much with me, Peter, everything that you were talking about today is absolutely phenomenal. I love it. And I've learned a lot about um, these types of things that you're talking about that makes so much sense over the 15 years of my career now. Um, and I'm intrigued. I am very much intrigued. So uh, expect to uh, see a little bit of me following you, the random shadow. If you feel like you're being watched, you're probably being watched. <laughs> Jenny, thanks a lot. And that's very even more meaningful coming from you. Thank you, Dan, as well. And uh, allow me to please uh, just take a moment to thank ISSA um, for having me on, but uh, even more so all with all your teammates for the, the positive impact you make and uh you know and all the meaningful work you do in the world building leaders of fitness and so on um thanks for all you're doing there yes thank you thank you yeah thank you so much for joining us today peter it's been a really really great conversation i'm super excited to share these links and, and your contact information with our listeners i think they'll get a lot out of it so i'm looking forward to it um and dan any last words for our listeners anything for peter you know, I always have something. So I've got two. First of all, I want to repeat that quote, which again is one of my favorites. I always give full credit to Pete and I say it a lot. Leader of one, leader of many. If you can't lead one, you can't lead any. Write that down. Think about it. Regurgitate it. When you're in doubt, when you're feeling lazy, uh, when you're not feeling motivated, whatever the word is you want to use, uh, think about that. And then the other thing is something I learned from Pete through his social media stuff, uh, smile. Smile at random strangers, not in a creepy way, of course, but thanks to mirror neurons and you know neuropsychology or whatever you want to call it, neuroscience, um, and the effect of smiling. Next time you're in an elevator, next time you're waiting for the light to turn red and walk across an intersection, uh, you're randomly near somebody you don't know, watch the power of just smiling genuinely smiling and i do that a lot thanks to what i learned from pete that's a great that's a great wind down and that is the universal that's a universal language everyone understands it so thank you for wrapping up that way i th i've enjoyed being on and thank you for allowing me to share a few things with your listeners and i hope we can team up again excellent absolutely we'll be in touch you'll definitely be hearing from us this has been amazing Thank you so much again, Peter. And thank you guys for listening. As always, go out there and learn. Um, this has been a great opportunity to learn. And uh, he, we've given you links. Uh, check out the description. There'll be some more links to learn and more. Keep learning, you guys. But go out there, be fruitful in the world, and make good choices. We'll be talking to you soon.